Let's go ahead and read the, <coughs> the next section here. Again, just, just following um, the resurrection. So this is on the day of the resurrection, on the first day of the week. Verse 19, John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Amen. All right, so um, here again, Jesus, as we read this morning, appears to... Uh, to Mary, and then we also find, you know, Mary coming to the, finding the tomb empty, and then Peter and John coming and finding the tomb empty. So things are starting to to really stir here, and and now Jesus is beginning to uh, make appearances. Um, first appearing to Mary, um, and and you got that in uh, about verse 15 down through 18, and then now he's appearing to the disciples minus. Um, Minus Thomas, in verse 19. And the doors being locked. It's interesting, John notes that twice. It doesn't really give uh, you know, much detail there, but it, but it at least makes it um, sound as though you know, Jesus just kind of passed through the wall or the door or, or whatever, just kind of appeared in their, in their presence. And certainly here he's in uh, his glorified state. So, so that uh, something like that is, is what apparently occurred. So... They've got the doors locked for fear of the Jews, and Jesus um, enters the room and says to them, and, and this 
little phrase too is, is recorded three times here. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Just just a little ways back, he told them that they were going to be um, uh, in, in grief because he was going away. I'm going away. Where I'm going, you cannot come. You cannot follow. And he tells them that they're going to be um, that they're going to be grieved, but then he says your your grief, your mourning is going to be turned to joy. And now that is what's taking place here. So he appears to the uh, again. I was talking about this morning the transformation. Everybody's realizing what's going on here, and he appears to them here in the in the room. And first thing he speaks to them is peace, peace, peace be. With you, this is the equivalent um, of the the Hebrew idea of shalom, which is a, 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 a pregnant term, a rich term. Um, so a lot of times, when and in other words, I'm, I'm, it's probably more to it than just what we think of when we think of our word peace. But uh, a lot of times, the way that it is summed up is with the phrase um, well-being. But but it. it carries the idea of, of prosperity, of God's favor. Um, so, for example, when you think in the Old Testament of God's chosen people, the idea was that they would, uh, they didn't do this, but the idea was that they would walk with the Lord and in obedience with the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and, and that the result of that, they would, they would always know His favor and, and, and enjoy prosperity. Shalom. Shalom. And that's how they greeted one another. And that's how they say goodbye to one another, wishing shalom, well-being to one another. Um, again, it's a rich, rich um, Hebraic concept. And this is the, um, the Greek term here is the, is the uh, that's, that's what it's translating. So um, it's, it's not just a, uh, an, an empty, hey, how are you doing, <laughs> type thing, or have a good day. Peace be with you. And, you know, he had said earlier on in, in the final discourse that he said, I'm, I'm leaving peace, not, not, like the, not, I'm not like the world, peace not like the world gives. Um, in fact, he says at the end of John 16 that um, even though they have tri- we have tribulation in the world, we can be of good cheer. We can be at peace in him. So peace be with you. That's, that's it three times, verse um, 19, verse 21. And then further down in verse 26. When he had said this, verse 20, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad. And here's the realization for them. His disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now this is kind of the equivalent of uh, you know him appearing to Mary. And, and when he spoke to her, Mary. And she knew immediately who he was. Rabboni. And uh, sorrow is turned to joy. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, the night that we talked about this morning, the darkness of the soul, um, well, the, the light just invades. And uh, they realize they're in the presence of the risen Lord. This is the Lord whom they love, standing in their very, in their very presence. And so Jesus says to them again in verse 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. A couple of things I want to um, kind of focus in on here, and this is, this is one of them. 
Um, this is kind of John's version of the, the commission here. I mean, the great commission. And Jesus says to them, and it's interesting that, you know, this is right off the bat, first thing, immediately as he, re- as he appears to them and, and they realize that it's the Lord, he tells them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. So not only is Jesus not dead and the ministry not has not ceased, you know, they they again have been walking with him three, three and a half years and, and uh, he's crucified and they're in confusion and probably thinking, you know, what was it all about? I mean, it's over. What happened? What was the purpose? But now, not, all, not only are they discovering that he's alive, but the ministry continues. And what Jesus did on the cross was what he accomplished there. I mean, it was not a defeat for him. What he, what he did there was accomplish the Father's will, accomplished uh, victory over death, and ensured um, that all things would move forward in God's redemptive plan. So now he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Well, in what sense? How, how is it that we are sent like Jesus was sent? Why was Jesus sent? What, what did he come to do? I'll tell you one thing, it's not. I mean, I mean, he came to die on the cross to pay for the sins of his people. We're, n- we're not sent like him in that sense. I mean, in other words, we can't die for people's sins and pay for people's sins. What can we do that, w- that might fit what he's saying here? Glorify God. Share the gospel. I think, and I think that's what he's talking about. In other words, his, his ministry is, is going to continue through the apostles. And then, all the way down the line, at least till. 2013, today through through you and I, through Christians sharing the gospel. So he came into the world. Luke says that he came to save sinners, right? Came to seek and save the lost. So his mission was come, preach the gospel. Remember his first sermon in the synagogue in his own hometown in, in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the the gospel. He's quoting there from Isaiah 61. He's come to preach the gospel. Preach the good news. That is reconciliation to God. That's what his mission is about. And I think that's, that's the, the idea here. In fact, um, if we, if we uh, combine this, you know, with, with, uh, to help us understand what's going on here, if we combine this with Matthew 28, 18, 19, we, we know what he's got in mind for us. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So what Jesus has been doing is making disciples. He is sent by the Father to make disciples, reconcile sinners to God. And now he's saying, I think, that we are likewise sent. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me 
even so, I am sending you. And I think the, the, the shalom that I was talking about there a minute ago, the, well, the well-being, and, and um, uh, I use the term prosperity, but of course I'm thinking of it here in a, in a richer sense than, uh, you know, have a lot of money. I mean, that's not what we're, not what we're meaning here, but, but prospering in the sense of being blessed by God and enjoying the favor of God. And I think this is foundational, and I think probably why Jesus says it the way he says it here. Peace be with you. And then he goes right from that to, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And again, if you recall John 16, 33, in the world you have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. So, shalom be with you as you go, because I'm sending you, and I'm sending you in the midst of tribulation. And it's the world's not gonna not gonna be favorable towards you, and you're gonna you're gonna need to know that God is. You you live in the favor, in the in the in the awareness of God's favor, God's um, blessing, um, and have cheer in that sense. You know, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Um, so our our well-being has to be anchored in um, the reality of our relationship with God, not, not how things go in this world. How do you, how do you for example, how do you, how do you have well-being? How do you have shalom? How do you, have, how do you be of good cheer when you're in prison, um, for example? Um, I was... I was uh, Gosh, his name slips my mind right now. But I, I was reading about a you know missionary. I think I shared this with y'all a few months back. But um, he was he was imprisoned, and they would they would take him and and hoist him up. They they tied you know rope to his ankles, and they would hoist him up at night so that nothing but his his shoulders touched the ground. So he's upside down with his shoulders and head touching the floor. And that's how they made him sleep at night uh, while he was in prison for preaching the gospel. Um, how do you have well-being and cheer when those things are going on? I mean, you, you, have, to, uh, you have to know that, that it's grounded in something other than um, circumstances in this world. So I think when Jesus says shalom, peace, you know, he's talking about something much deeper than uh, he's not talking about just feeling good. Let's put it that way. So we need that kind of peace because he's sending us into a hostile world. And when he had said this, verse 22, he breathed on them. And the idea there is, is um, like to take a deep breath and then exhale. It's not really captured in the one word, breathe. But he... He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So he says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Where's this 
power or this, this enablement to, to live in peace in the midst of a hot, hostile world, uh, where's this, this power going to come from? Yeah, the Holy Spirit, right? Empowers us to do what he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So, not sending the, you know, he's not, he's not counting on our own ability or our own stamina or, or something like that. And, he, and he's not sending us out alone. He's empowering us with the presence of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Um, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. This is an inter- interesting statement, isn't it? If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What in the world's going on there? <laughs> is that was, was is, is that something unique to the to the disciples present? that they had power to forgive and retain sin? Or, or does, is this something that also applies to you and I? And if so, how? I don't know, you may be referring to Matthew, I mean, Matthew 18, he says virtually the same thing in, um, in, in reference to church discipline there, I think. Um, he's talking about the local, uh, the local uh, church body. Um, but I, I think, and in fact, let me, I think what he has in mind, and we were talking about this a few minutes ago, in the other room, just because we ran across uh, something in the book we were reading, actually talking about this this idea, so I thought I might read it. Um, a quote from Martin Luther, but I think r- really what what that entails there is is essentially just preaching the gospel. So, like again, like in Matthew twenty eight, go therefore, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And we know, you know, he says that all, all, who, are believe, all who believe and are baptized shall be saved. So, so in that case, sins are remitted. So I, so I think the idea is I'm sending you as I was sent, that is to preach the word. And those who believe, if I can kind of um, sum it up or paraphrase it this way, those who believe their sins are forgiven. Um, so where the gospel goes out, that's the idea of loosing people from uh, their sins. Those who don't believe forfeit that. Here's here's the quote I was referring to, and this is this is a, um, a reference to the Matthew um, 16 passage. This is Martin. This is a quote from Martin Luther: <clears throat> "The ministry of the word belongs to all." Notice that's what he's got in view here, the ministry of the Word. The ministry of the Word belongs to all. To bind and to loose clearly is nothing else than to proclaim and to apply the gospel. 
For what is it to loose if not to announce the forgiveness of sins before God? What is it to bind except to withdraw the gospel and to declare the retention of sins? Whether they, that is the Roman Catholic, and this is, why, this is where he's, he's referring to, uh, again to Matthew 16, whether they, that is the Roman Catholic Church, want, want to or not, they must concede that the keys, that is the keys of the kingdom, the keys are, are the exercise of the ministry of the word. So L- Luther is saying, when Jesus says to, um, to Peter, I'm, you know, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, that what he's talking about is the ministry of the word, and that the binding and loosing that Jesus is referring to is, um, is the idea of the proclamation of the gospel. And again, uh, the way Luther describes that here, to bind and to loose clearly is nothing else than to proclaim and to apply the gospel. For what is it to loose if not to announce the forgiveness of sins before God? What is it to bind except to withdraw the gospel and to declare the retention of sins? And so the idea there is that the church um, has that commission and that authority under Christ as we, as we um, continue, in one, in one sense anyway, as we continue the ministry of Christ, or to say he continues his ministry through us. It's not that, uh, not that he tagged us and said, okay, now y'all go. Y'all go. I did what I can do. Y'all go do. No, but now he's, wor- he's still working. He's working through the church in this world. And Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. And again, notice there, they, they understand now that Jesus is alive, he's risen, and they're proclaiming this to Thomas. He hasn't seen him yet, so here's his response. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood with them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Now, that right there, I, I think, kind of sums up what, what John is doing in this whole account. He's saying to his readers, don't, and that's why he's relating these, these incidents, don't disbelieve, but believe. Believe. Look at Thomas' response. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. That's, that's strong, isn't it? I mean, some people want to debate um, the deity of Christ. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, deny the deity of Christ. Um, others do as well. Uh, well, Thomas seemed to believe in it. <laughs> and and Jesus seemed to accept that, doesn't he? There's, there's no rebuke. My Lord and my God. So, again, like we were talking about this morning, the lights go on in Thomas's soul. And he knows that he's confronted with the risen Lord and God. My Lord and 
my God. Interesting response from Jesus. Verse 29. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You know, probably one reason um, John relates that, again, is for the sake of his readers. Because we haven't seen and here clearly uh, Jesus pronounces um, special blessing or more blessing, however you want to say it, on those who have not seen as Peter and John and the others did, Mary did, as Thomas does here. Those who have not seen but um, as they did, but yet believe, believe. We're, uh, at least in this sense, we're, we're getting... Uh, we're, we're second generation, or, or you know, further down than that, actually. But these were eyewitnesses, first generation Christians, and and we are, as Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, we are uh, believing uh, due to their report. They saw, we we haven't seen, yet we believe. And then John, again in verse 30 and 31, gives that as his reason for writing the whole gospel. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. John's saying, that's what I've been doing. That's been my purpose all the way through this gospel account. These things are written. I'm writing these things. I'm conveying these things to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John's a believer. All of these others, they're believers now. They understand Jesus is raised from the dead. And he wants his hearers to believe as well. Any thoughts on that before we take of the Lord's Prayer, um, the Lord's Supper, rather. <laughs> Quiet group tonight. That's a good point. That's a good point. He was actually kind of bold. You go back to and, and read uh, in chapter 11. That's where Thomas was ready to die. With you. They were trying to talk Jesus out of going to Jerusalem. And Jesus was set on going. And Thomas said, look, um, he's going. Let's, let's go. We'll go die with him. <laughs> Thomas was ready to die with Jesus if he had to. Mm. Amen. And it's interesting, it doesn't actually say that he touched him. Jesus offered, you know, touch the nail prints, you know, put your hand in my side. It doesn't say that he did, though. I mean, once he saw, uh, it probably wasn't necessary. I mean, he was convinced. He was convinced. It's the Lord. 
Hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And what a confession. My Lord and my God. Again, that's strong. That's even more so than, than Peter's in Matthew 16. was gracious, right, to, to, to make himself known yeah. to Thomas, yeah, as well as the others, and to you and I, <laughs> to make himself known, grace, grace, yes ma'am. That's right. You, you know, it, it plays a role. I mean, in other words, you have to hear. You know, Paul says in Romans 10, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall we, pre you know, one preach unless he sent? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, but it's, but it's, God uses his word. I mean, that's how he does it, in other words. It, it is still him making himself known, like you, like you said. And a lost person, um, can hear the word, you know, thousands of times and, ne and never have an effect unless God makes it effective. <laughs> when he takes it home to the heart and, and, and uh, you know, grants that person life and uh, make, gives them understanding of the word and the reality of it, then, you know, that's, that's when they see. It's like Jesus opening the eyes of, of a blind man you know, they stumble around, grope in the dark. But when Jesus says, be opened, and all of a sudden he's granted them sight, now they, now they can see. By grace, yeah, yeah, right. amen.
That's right. Amen. Amen. That's a great point. He's equipped us. Uh, we, we can't say that we're ill-equipped. You know, sometimes you hear in the news, you know, like uh, the armed forces, uh, the different ones, and this is probably true, but uh, sometimes the different ones complaining because they they're sent out to do missions ill-equipped, and, and you're actually putting um, guys in, in dangerous positions because you know, if, if we don't give them the equipment they need, that's not the case with us. You know, when Jesus says, "I'm sending," as my Father sent me, I'm sending you. Um, he's sending us equipped for what he's called us to do. We, we've got, as Brother Carl just said, you know, the, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God dwelling in us, and His Word, His Word. There it is. I mean, now we have we got the we've got the complete, finished um, copy now. So. Anybody else? All right. He's alive, all right. And, and you know, we got a, we've got a commission, right? Go, go and tell. Just like they were doing here. We've seen the Lord. <laughs> we've seen the Lord. He's alive. That's, that's basically what we get to do too. That's what we get to do. Notice how I worded that. We are privileged to be included to do that. To go and tell folks. We've met the risen Christ. He's alive. Brothers, if y'all come, we'll, uh, we'll prepare to take the Lord's Supper.